Shawnee, what a week. I say that very often on this show, but holy moly, what a week of wrestling. Wow, yeah. Who who would have thought? Who would have thought that going into Raw this week that we were going to get our, our boy uh, Manly Jack Manley, the uh, official indie wrestler of the right. One Fall show, said he believes it's the, the best in almost 20 years. He loved this episode, and I can't say that I'm too far from him in that way. It certainly uh, lends itself to the bar has been set so low that almost anything would be great, mm-hmm. uh, but you definitely saw a change this week, in, especially in Monday Night Raw, less so in SmackDown, but... If you, especially if you look at how it was filmed and some of the segments and, and s- some of the stuff, there were very obvious changes, like uh, Corey Graves dropping an S-bomb in the mm-hmm. first 15 minutes. Um, but at the same time, uh, there, I, I know you're extremely happy with a lot of the developments ah, yes. coming out of these shows. <laughs> I know you changed the, uh, the, cover, um, the cover photo almost immediately yes. on Monday nights. <laughs> I have... Uh been waiting for this particular version of the club to show up for so long yeah and boy it seems like we're finally i don't think that with the ratings and with the the tenor of the conversation around wwe that we're gonna see the the rug pulled out from under us on this one sure too quickly so i i have at least have that to look forward to and oh boy sweet baby kevin owens yeah looks like he might be going face which right. is also fantastic do you think there's a uh do you think there's a place for Finn Balor in this version of the club. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I hope the fact that we haven't seen him uh, lends itself to that because, uh, and this speaks to the the sort of slapdash nature that uh, Vince McMahon has been running this thing. I immediately went to the, the store and knowing, seeing that they had, did not have a new shirt on, I, yeah. I assumed that there would no be no shirts available, but I made sure to go to their website and type in the club in their search bar so that that data point is there. Ah. That people were immediately going to search for the damn thing. And when you search the club, you just get Balor Club stuff. Yeah. So we haven't seen Finn Balor. Uh, so I, I would assume that we're going to see him involved in the storyline in some way. Right. You know, if we are, if we are truly seeing a, uh, you know, Paulie dangerously stamp being put on things. Right. He's obviously going to be made aware or is aware of the fact that Finn Balor should definitely be part of the storyline somehow. You would, yeah, you would imagine go full heel with them or whether you have them fighting them right for the time being. I would, I would like to see all of them as a group. I would like to see them, uh, kind of each have their own in, in the same fashion as the bullet club each have like, you've got Balor club already. So what if you have styles club? And mm-hmm. if you have Gallows Club, yeah, could be, could be all <laughs> kinds of different ways to go with it. It's 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 very intriguing, and it's a lot of fun. It was a blast to see AJ finally go full heel. Yeah, uh, he's been a great great face for the company, um, especially that SmackDown brand for a long long time. But he's he's such an excellent heel that it's I think that it's important that we get to see some of that in his tenure with the WWE. I agree. And uh, in the same way that we sense. we have not really seen Finn Balor in, in WWE or NXT as a heel. No, and I, I get why he's been a face. Uh, you know, he's this very handsome guy who's uh, very quick to put on that smile. It's very charming. Right. Uh, but he, he hasn't really developed teeth as a face. He's not a face that I really can embrace like I can with like The Miz, He's who I've Finn- watched develop into this. 
character. Right. Finn is a face because we like him. Yes. Not because he's intrinsically a good guy kind of thing. But if you look at some of his New Japan work, he has the chops to be a bad guy. Absolutely. And I think that it might, I think he might enjoy that a little more and we might get to see a little more character from him. We have not right. seen much character from him at all. His, his, uh, his promos are almost always quite stilted, very direct. Hey, I'm a face, and there's a heel, and I'm going to beat him. Smile. Yep. You know, it's 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 been, in, in in many ways, I feel like a disappointing run for Finn Balor. His ring work has been fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, and he's got a vicious style, too, which lends itself to being a bad guy. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's weird seeing, uh, you know, a, 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 a hero essentially stomping on someone's chest trying right. to, you know... I always think he's got that. He's, like he's got that particular great. move when a guy's on the floor, where he'll run across the uh, the the ring apron and just like kick him in the face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, that's vicious. Yes, yes. Um, uh, I do not like though the sling blade. Finn and you're not a fan of the sling blade. You've never been a fan of the sling blade. I'm becoming increasingly less a fan of the sling sling blade. I'm finding because because it's uh, one of Rollins' moves as well. And, sure. Uh, it just seems like such a cheap move. <laughs> How do you feel? I, I know that people on the internet, uh, plenty of people on the internet, are not really into the Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch on screen mm-hmm. stuff. What about where do you fall? Uh, okay, so my silver lining, and I, I don't love it or hate it. I'm, 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 look, I'm. I, I liked. I thought their promo was actually pretty funny. I thought the, so too. Uh, or, or I thought this week was. Up. It it didn't feel as uh, stilted. To borrow a word that you just used a couple minutes ago, it didn't feel as stilted as some of the previous stuff did. No, I think it will take some time for them to ease into this, uh, but I think they're having fun with it, and I don't think they're taking any of the teeth out of Becky. I think Becky is now in a position where she understands this idea of take whatever you're given and make it awesome. Yeah. And I think that she's going to be able to do that, and she will transcend. The, the silver lining for me, though, is the potential of uh, Rusev and Lana. I like this idea yeah. of... Um, I was super pumped to see Maria and Mike Kanellis yes. injected into this particular... Uh, There's some even things for... you can do with this mixed match format mm-hmm. that I don't think they've really dug into. And by setting them up at the top, I think it opens the doors for that. I mean, we see... Uh, we see them facing Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans, who are two homegrown... Um, WWE products that are both quite green still. Now, right. I mean, Corbin has gotten a ton of TV work, but if you think in terms of just being a pro wrestler, three or four years into the business is not a huge sure. amount of time. You know, where you take a Sami Zayn or a Kevin Owens who were 16 years in the Indies before they showed up. Or, right. Um, so, so I get why people are annoyed by that. Like, oh, you put them together just to fight these two scrubs. But first off, I don't think either Lacey or Corbin are really scrubs. I think that in five years they're going to be fantastic. Sure. And I kind of like them now, I have to say. But I think that the real thrill would be, can you bring back the interest and the passion of a Rusev and Alana, who yeah. in interviews are so disappointed by the fact that they've fallen so far off the rails. We've, uh, it looks like... Um, Looks like uh, now with the reuniting of the club that they're going to extend their contracts. Right. That we'll get news on that anytime soon when it seemed like they were pretty much waiting things out. So mm-hmm. it's going to be very interesting in many fronts. It's going to be more fun to watch, I think. But it's also going to be interesting to see how it the dynamic is of people re-signing. You know, I, I think that's I think that's ultimately what we're looking forward to. The the reason that this week landed so solidly in weeks previous is because we were given things um 
that we not only things that we didn't expect, but things that we've either wanted for a long time that we've gotten that it's been so long that we haven't gotten them that we didn't expect them. But also guys that were like, oh, yeah, this guy works here. And oh, yeah, they can do solid work. Like even as weird as Maria and Mike Kanellis's, uh their their segment was with Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins, like they were top goddamn heels at Impact Wrestling, man. Mm-hmm. Like Maria has the chops to be top heel of the women's division. She just has to not be kicking out a baby every right. nine months. Yeah, every time, every time they sign a contract, she immediately gets pregnant. It's a pretty, pretty shrewd move. It is. Yeah, no, that's that's exceptionally shrewd. Carting the carnies, right? But even going back to, uh, we we were briefly discussing Shelton Benjamin showing up for no reason other than to make a funny gift for the internet. Yes, yes, essentially. Doing what I think that Mojo Raleigh has been trying to do for the last like four months with his like sure. trying to convert him into some crazy man. Instead, he just gets relegated to like whatever the eighth tier show is, and we never actually see him unless you dig that super. What is it called? Uh, main event. Main event. Yeah, unless you watch <laughs> main event, you have no idea what his character is. And then you just have Shelton Benjamin rolling his eyes around like a lunatic. You're like, oh. That's that's funny. Stole Mojo's <laughs> all that work Mojo did. <laughs> uh, have, how, what do you think about Samoa Joe getting like, like, it very? In, they've subverted and twisted some what uh, twenty years ago would have been some very racist commentary. Sure, you now have a Samoan man saying it to a, uh, a stable of all black wrestlers. So the idea of like, hey, you can uh, Big E can be your butler. It's like, whoa, that's an old school yeah. like relegating a black man to the butler status. But you realize he's also butlering for a black man. So it's like this very edgy material sure. that makes me uncomfortable because of the time that I grew up in. But I have, you know, people who are, you know, in their early 20s now won't have that context. And so you really just have a really edgy angle that Samoa Joe's really selling well that I think is going to provide a platform for Kofi to get over. I mean, like, yeah, it's you're setting up a this almost racist obstacle then gives him something to triumph over, you know, in a, in a, in um, an honorable fashion, which I think is going to continue to be Kofi's stamp on, on his run with the championship here. Well, and I think if there, if we're talking about WWE programming this past seven days, there are two stories. The first one, which we've already talked about, like Kevin Owens going face, uh, getting the club, like the things we've wanted for a long time actually coming to fruition. And that's great. But the other story is how each specific show, um, kind of pushed the boundaries of what not only we have come to expect, but what the, TV PG product can be yes. as, as I was saying right uh, right at the beginning of Monday Night Raw you've got this amazing spot with Pyro where Braun and Bobby go through the grid wall and mm-hmm. there's all these flashes and spots or whatever like that and there's this huge gap of no commentary where I swear to God you can hear Paul Heyman and Vince McMahon telling Corey, say it, say it. I know you're looking at the script. I right. know you see the line. I know you think you're going to get in trouble. Say it. We promise you won't get in trouble. And right. Corey literally dropping an S-bomb yeah. in the first 15 minutes of Raw. But then you also, over on SmackDown, you've got Kofi, who has been this like just pearly 
Babyface does no wrong or something like that. Samoa Joe gives this uh, promo and ends it with, uh, I know what you're going to do, and you're going to shake my hand because you want all these people to think that you're always going to be this perfect good guy or something mm-hmm. like that. And he gives them the finger. Yes. <laughs> Outstanding stuff. Right. And then at the end of the show, you have Daniel Bryan essentially voicing like all of the the sort of old school wrestling fan and wrestling worker mentality of sure a real champion doesn't throw pancakes a real champion doesn't you know come out and do this little dance you know a real champion comes out to fight and to win right so i think that we're going to see that evolution finally of the new day from more of a party act into a little more of a shoot act and sure. I think that they're going to they're going to master it. I think oh, that they're, we've seen they're... we've seen uh that stuff a couple of years ago when they had Hell in a Cell here in Detroit. The New Day uh fought the Usos in a cell and they took it to them in that cell. There's a there's a spot I just saw a picture of it a couple of days ago where uh Xavier pinned one of the Usos in the corner of the cell with kendo sticks and then beat the piss mm-hmm. out of him yes. with a rainbow kendo stick. So they have those chops. We just Absolutely. haven't we just haven't seen them in a while. And it'll be interesting to see how they um how how, how the new day grows into possibly this new version. Yeah, it seems as though we're gonna see I think that their their version of the Attitude error because I don't think we're going to go back to that, and I don't right. think that we should. Frankly, I think there are a lot of things about the Attitude Era that don't work and wouldn't work in 2019. Sure, but even if they would work, I wouldn't be happy with personally based on my own sensibilities. But I think that we're going to see it like sort of a a Steve Austining of the entire roster. Right, you know, let's see a little less of these very clear-cut face and heels and let's see a little more ambiguity like sure sometimes to get to the top you can't just do everything right right look you know, the... and we don't want to see you in primary colors just doing everything right you know we, we're seeing it a little bit with the miz where he's a face that he's he's wailing on people like he oh yeah he takes extra shots almost all the time and that's that's that works with this character. He was yep. a shit heel for a long time, so it stands to reason that as a face, he's gonna not be able to toe the line. And it's fun to see him not having to toe the line. I think seeing a little bit of a hardening of the new day would be very cool. I think that you know making these more gripping issues of like ooh, some of the words that are coming out of these guys' mouths making me a little uncomfortable. Sure, well, that's not bad if. The, the right hero triumphs, right? Like, now if Samoa Joe goes on this racist rant and continues to be more and more racist and then eventually becomes, like, the top face, well, then we have a problem. Sure. But in, the, in terms of servicing a heel, what better way to give a real challenge to Kofi, who is really, I mean, I think ultimately he's going to put his stamp on as, like, the, the first fully blown WWE african-american champion and it looks like they're going to give him plenty of space i mean like you know we didn't know at first this is going to be like a i think he probably would have even been happy had he gotten a one month right back to being the new day you're still a huge star you're still a, but at least they gave him that but they're really giving him that chance and i think that's a lot of fun and how daniel bryan first off did everyone call him brian that whole show did you notice that they kept calling i didn't him know brian. i was like what is going on what is going on <laughs> But he, he kept he kept that angle of just harping on like, yeah, you're here for the party and I'm here to win. Yeah. And I think we're gonna see more of that and it's gonna force them to evolve their character. Well, uh, and it's it's fascinating too that Daniel Bryan 
you could look at where Daniel Bryan is right now in the card and feel like he's been demoted. But I would disagree wholeheartedly. I think he is in the perfect position to wrestle a whole bunch of people like, for instance, back at Stomping Ground, getting to wrestle the uh, the heavy machinery, getting mm-hmm. to wrestle a whole bunch of new opponents and having been he he's an old hand now, like he's been at the top of the roster for long enough that he can help elevate young talent. Yes. And if, and if Stomping Ground was any indication, we are going they are adhering to the promise that there would be more focus put on tag teams. And I think part of that's a necessity. The the large size of the roster, if you want to get more people on TV, and I think people the many of us in the audience are clamoring for more people on TV. Well, the way you do that is like New Japan does, is you have factions and you have three-man tag teams and you have tag teams. Not only do you have large rosters, but you have a three-hour fucking Monday night show Mm -hmm. that even, even, even this week... A match like Ricochet and AJ Styles is a match I should be super excited about. And I was super excited about it for two hours and then had to get through an extra half an hour of show to get to the thing I was excited about. So by the time I got to it, I literally had to take a break from watching wrestling so I could come back rejuvenated and ready for this thing that I'm excited about. I did the same thing with that match. I was like, I need to take a break. Same with the Kevin Owens match. I was like, I'm... So excited for this match, but I want to make sure that I really enjoy it. And, yes, and, and I did. Right, but I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I like how they filled the time better. I love oddly. I I don't love that the Undertaker's back. I don't. I don't care. Whatever. Fine. Sure. Uh, people are excited. The people who are excited about it, I'm glad that they are excited about it, and it's cool that they're going to get that, especially in the context of a tag team. Cause yeah. If I'm not into the two guys fighting maybe there's a there's a someone off in the peripherals of the match who i can really focus on and look forward to in a future endeavor but during the long ass entrance instead of uh, the exit rather instead of watching him waddle out of the ring for fucking two minutes we got to see some backstage stuff yes smart i love that i I like how did you like um how did you like the uh, Street Profits? I thought them turned up to 11 was uh, their money. They're, they're printing money. It, it, was, may, it may take some time, but it was, I, I like their dynamic. It was cool that the Street Profits were at Raw, but they did not have a match, so I question why. Right. Yeah. Well, I they were there just to have two segments. Oh, and get spoiled during the first segment by a bad camera cut. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was very entertaining. Yeah. That was very entertaining. Uh-oh, Mr. Sip. Hello, Batman. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Puppy invasion, and we haven't even touched on uh, we haven't even touched on AEW, the AEW Fighter Fest. I know I missed Fighter Fest. I Did you? I can't find it anywhere. Yeah, I don't know that you can watch it again. But the the fact that it was streaming for free on like Bleacher Report mm-hmm. is fascinating. And you know, getting to see uh, John Moxley and um, what was his opponent's name? Oh, um, catching me flat footed here. Sorry. The, it's, uh, it, it completely escapes me the because boy, Joey Janela. Joey Janela, yeah, getting to see them fight uh, was was uh, fascinating, but unfortunately overshadowed by Cody Roach taking an unprotected shot to the dome. Yeah, the very interesting how that all shook out, right? Because you can find all the interviews afterwards. Yeah, the young bucks said, "Hey, we gimmicked the chair, and it just was a bad. <laughs> we, we, we botched it." But I, I, it's 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 fascinating not only that 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 it happened. Because it was planned to happen, it was scheduled to happen. You can, you know, watch it ha- as you watch it happen. This was the way it was supposed to work. He may not have supposed to have been bust- busted open on the back of his head and bled all over the place, but obviously Sean Spears was supposed to hit the ring and hit Cody with the chair, and Cody 
was not going to put his hands up for whatever his reasons. But going forward, like I can't, even when it happened on Saturday, I started going, why would you do that? Yeah, I don't think that was, I, yeah, I don't think they did that for a, Maybe, maybe for a cheap pop, but it, it seems as though if they did, I think they went yeah, rogue like, because Tony Khan has been been very vocal about the fact that he he understands that as the the head of this company that some of the indie stuff that's done right. is not something that you can do under a corporate banner. Sure, and uh, I don't think he was happy about it because my first thought when I saw it on Saturday was. Okay, first of all, Cody comes from the WWE where you are working under a boss who essentially will not ask you to do something he would not himself do. Vince McMahon has taken a lot of nasty bumps Mm -hmm. over the years specifically to prove to people like when I ask you to jump off that high thing, if I'm physically capable, I will jump off the high thing. Like I'm not asking you to do something I wouldn't do, which in my opinion is uh, some of the best bosses you can work for are the bosses who will never ask you to do something they themselves would not do. so I, I look at that as, okay, so Cody is going to take this shot, specifically because he would not ask anybody else to take this shot if he himself was not willing to take an unprotected shot to the head. Right, right. Um, but then I, I started to think, like, why would, once again, why would you do that? Well, may, my, my first thought was, well, maybe you take this shot so that it becomes news so that you can make a hard and fast rule about why you will never see these in AEW. Mm, yeah. Kind not, of not thing. Bad, uh, you know, like my, my first thought was like, okay, well maybe they can run an angle, even if whether Cody actually has brain damage from taking the shot, they can run an angle where like, look, this happened and it did this to Cody Rhodes, who is the top of the company. So now nobody is allowed to do these or it's an immediate disqualification mm, yeah. kind of thing. Something along those lines. Yeah, I know it's, it's, it's an interesting wrinkle that, that it, it happened the way it did. And it, Hard. It overshadowed so much stuff that happened at that show. Yeah, that was was also fantastic. It's a fantastic show. It really is. Even for someone like myself who's still kind of lukewarm about the All Elite Wrestling product, mm-hmm. um, there were plenty of guys I've never seen before or had seen at Double or Nothing and kind of forgotten about that got matches. That I'm like, oh, and well, now I kind of know this guy. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, I'm I'm uh, disappointed I didn't see it, but I see that the next uh, the fight for the fallen is yeah. also going to be on Bleacher Report Live. So That's I have amazing. to make sure I get my Bleacher Report subscription all set up yep. and make sure that I remember that it is on. That the, it is on uh, that day. That day, yeah. Was right. it, uh, it's coming up here soon, right? Uh, it's not be? this coming weekend, but it's the next weekend. Okay. Yes, I need to make sure. And that, that was the other thing. That, that was the other thing I wanted to bring up is how fascinating it is that the entire wrestling community almost universally uh did not like Cody Rhodes taking an unprotected shot to the head. Not yeah, they no, did not like no seeing an unprotected shot to the head. Take unprotected shots to the head. I, we know I didn't too see, much about. Yeah, I didn't see almost anybody saying like, "Yeah, that's the Attitude Era stuff I'm looking for." Yeah, no, kind of thing. Like almost universally, everybody was like, "No reason for that." Nope, nope. Don't hit the head because that's what holds the brain. Right, and uh, I don't know. That's I, I, it's kind of encouraging. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I agree. I agree that uh, we as a community of wrestling fans now are that invested in the physical well-being of our performers. I agree. And, I mean, there are always going to be people who love the hardcore stuff. There's always going to be some kind of indie outliers that are willing to do all of that. Sure. And if people love it, more power to them. People love Nick Gage. I have a hard yeah. time watching Nick Gage. Right. <laughs> it's just like this relentless hardcore. 
and it, it's it's funny to me too in this particular year uh, to to see where the line is. Like mm-hmm. you can staple a cigarette to a guy's forehead, and that's fine, but don't hit him with a chair as hard as you can. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, there's not long, not long lasting repercussions of a of a cigarette stapled to the forehead. I suppose not. Um, and I guess it's a it's a better uh, it's a better anti smoking. Um, message <laughs> than little lungs. Now I want it. somebody somebody on the One Fall Show page give me uh, that image of the cigarette staple of the forehead with that truth thing in the corner. Yeah, the jo- Joey Janela truth ad. Yeah, I want a Joey Janela truth ad. That'll be fantastic. Shawnee, what are we doing this week? This week we've got my buddy Josh Young, who's a member of the Detroit uh, ska band CBJ. Okay. And he's started his own podcast where he's interviewing uh, the musicians that he's met both in Detroit and doing tours around uh, around the country. Excellent. Uh, called Broadcast from Cowhouse. And he's not a big wrestling fan, so we're going to bring him in, show him some wrestling stuff, and awesome. see how that works out. Yeah, I can't wait to see uh, how, how where he lands. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm Shawnee Constant, and I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Bean. Keyfabe, motherfucker. Keyfabe, motherfucker! We are basking in the glory. In the glory! Of the opulent Russell Palace. Chandelier! Russell Palace! Oh, like you spike prison style, dude. Boom <laughs> shakaloo! The scariest of all. Murder Cloud. It's like we've said uh, previously on the show. Mira! I'm fat! You got a fat ass! <laughs> He's coming, drinking! Bob Burr's got a big old net! It's a work! It's a work! And this is the one for For our international audience, that sometimes extends as far as Shelby Township, Michigan. Why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself and why you're here? Uh, I've been working on this podcast with uh, my bandmate, uh, Tom Skill, from CBJ. CBJ, great local uh, Detroit area. Well, local, but you have toured. Yeah, a little uh, bit. But I doubt anyone knows us anywhere other than around here, though. But they should. De- uh, check them out. Uh, CBJ, Detroit area ska band. Yes, uh, me and Tom from CBJ, we've been working on this new podcast. It's called Broadcast from Cow House. Uh, it's like a m- music podcast where we have bands on, and I just kind of ask them why they do what they do, because being in a band is hard. It is, and I love the idea of crowdsourcing the process, right? Like, artists have this tendency to think that whatever their idea is is the great idea, and everyone's out to steal it. Yeah. But what they fail to realize is is in not exchanging ideas with other people. They're also trapped within their own limitations, and usually that includes no idea how to promote, uh, often very lousy social skills. Uh, speaking for myself, I can say for <laughs> sure lousy social skills. And uh, so, so networking in that way, uh, while it's sort of distasteful to use those words of corporate America, I mean, yeah. really, those words of corporate America are just corporate ways to speak on the human condition. And so, right. you know, having interchanges of ideas with other artists is a great way to say, oh, well, if we did what they're doing there in that area, 
that could really help what we're trying to do. Yeah, and it is really networking in that way. We're like creating a network of musicians and like a family who have all done this thing. And uh, now we're all connected in that way. You know, I can go to their shows and we've got a thing, a shared experience in common. And they help me do my art and I helped give them a way to show off their art. I think of our podcast as kind of a conduit for artists rather than anything for me to express myself in any way at all. The community building aspect of podcasts is what really drew me to them. I enjoy the broadcasting part. I enjoy trying to be funny. I enjoy trying to solve problems of making a better presentation for an audience. But the community part's, to me, the most fun. And that's where you know my punk rock roots sort of tie into what we're doing now, even though it's essentially a wrestling, a professional wrestling podcast. I mean, those are people who are living on the road, um, selling their entertainment just like bands are. It's a... Uh, you know, it's a different tone of art. It's a different audience that you're looking for. It's a different taste, but it's the, the, the processes, the journeys are all, you can strip them down abstractly to sort of the same things. How do I get from point A to point B? How do I feed myself? How do I make sure that I have a roof over my head? And how do I feed my art? How do I feed my creativity? And, how do I keep moving forward with that, you know? Right, and the best way is having friends along the road right like it's one thing to face the daunting idea of touring whether it be just going across town for a gig or you know uh, if you're going state to state you know, knowing that you have people that you've talked to in that place that can say no don't don't go there unless you want to bring back bed bugs you know uh yeah it's useful to have people that are spread out all over like that yeah um, and the network spreads far. You know, sometimes it's Shelby Township, and sometimes it's Canada, and sometimes it's New York, and sometimes it's Texas, and then it's Europe. You know, you never know. You never, never know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the sort of premise of the show is this idea that everybody uh, has an opinion on professional wrestling. Okay. Even if they've never watched professional wrestling, or if they watched it as a kid and, and disdain it, or if they've seen wrestling fans being a bunch of, you know, grown. Uh, grown-ass children making fools of themselves and ruining everyone else's time around them. They have an opinion on what wrestling is, and so that's why I think it's fun to bring in people who may or may not necessarily be wrestling fans, show them a little wrestling, talk about how our fascination with wrestling relates to different artistic streams of thought, like bands and music and, and other podcasts. What is your experience with professional wrestling as a concept? Yeah, I think my first introduction to professional wrestling was on the Sega Genesis when I was a kid. And, I mean, it was fun to play. And then as I got older, I was like, that's dumb. Wrestling's fake. But as I've become much older, I am of the awareness that wrestling is an art form. And it's it's just as fake as The Flash or whatever. But it right. doesn't make it any less good and entertaining. And since I came to that realization, I've thought a lot more about it, and a lot of things are wrestling. Like, politics can be wrestling. Absolutely. Um, music can be wrestling. I mean, some of my favorite music stuff that people are doing is when they're playing characters. Um, I, I think it's really interesting to be a heel as a band or as a musician. I think that's fun. And who are the heroes? Who knows? And it's this weird melding of almost two art forms, because like you're saying, there's the, the character aspect where people are, are acting and being characters and doing the talking and stuff like that, but then you've got the the physicality, and that's almost live-action stunt work yeah. that you're watching you know, happen, yeah, and absolutely. sometimes it goes wrong, and sometimes it goes exactly the way they planned, and almost part of the fun is when it goes wrong to see who's good at picking up, okay, that didn't work, 
let's keep it rolling. Oh, that's a part that I've never really um, engaged with before because I've just been so focused on the acting part that I hadn't really focused on the physicality of it. Sure. It's so, the physicality is so super text. You know, you're staring, it's staring you right in the face. It's right. Like, it's kind of hard to look past it, but then once you do, that's all you can focus on. So. Yeah, man, I hadn't really thought about. Yeah, the stunts go wrong. Of it's course, a, they yeah, are. it's a lot. It's a lot like being a musician. Sometimes you break a string, or sometimes you know something. Somebody forgets a part, and you have to, you know, who who can keep going and who has to just stop the train, you know, dead and start over again. Yeah, the professionalism's in the recovery. That's really cool. I hadn't thought of that. Yes, that is. I, I agree with what you guys have both said one hundred percent. What is not cool is. A lot of the bands that the WWE, so the WWE, of course, <laughs> segue crushed everything in the uh, in the early 2000s, uh, destroyed all other wrestling for a while, and now the landscape's changing. The internet is allowing um, independent small groups to really broadcast their talent on the internet, so it's becoming a lot of fun. You're seeing a lot of people who would never have taken a chance in wrestling 20 or 30 years ago because they would have been essentially bullied out of the environment. I mean, that was a real problem because right. of the machismo of the thing. You have a bunch of big muscle-bound guys, and they did not have the, uh, in many, many cases, did not have the, the sensibility of let's make this community, and you know if we all pull together, we make things stronger. It was very adversarial. But much like the NFL, as WWE has become bigger and bigger, has become this brand-oriented entertainment giant that's publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange, they've they've always tried to incorporate other elements besides wrestling into their show. Very much like old carnival shows, which, you know, wrestling... Uh, if you trace wrestling's history back to essentially around the Civil War, there is a time where it, it, it intermingled with carnivals and, and, and circus performing and stuff like that. So we've got Mr. Bean. I have you have a list of bands over there. I was wondering. I do. We like to play a game here called the Pushberry Spill, which is a, sort of your classic game of who would you push uh, of these three bands because you like them and you think more people should see them. Who would you bury in terms of? Let's just put them in the back burner and maybe they can figure out what they're doing and come back with something a little better. And then who would you spill? Who would you get rid of entirely? And play a round or two of that sure okay. see, see, see what your musical taste. i have not are. seen this list but yeah I'm ready. so it probably started pretty much in the 80s uh with the rock and wrestling connection music wasn't a huge part of wrestling up until they decided what if guys came out to theme music <laughs> and then it it's exploded into a you can pretty much go on a streaming service and find all the songs that you know you remember certain wrestlers coming out to and some of them uh they they'll get major artists to do and then once WrestleMania or SummerSlam rolls around, the big two shows, they'll uh, they'll have that artist come and play somebody out on stage. That's absurd, and it must have been really shitty before they had playout music. Like, what were they just wandering out? The guys who the guy in the ring, the announcer in the ring, would just say what the guy weighed, where he was from, and who it was, and they just walk out no like boxers with certain no, nothing, man. No, like I don't know, tigers. No, they protected the industry for a long, long time. Like the idea that wrestling, by protecting, I mean they the. They tried to maintain the image that these guys were as legitimate as any boxers or... Uh, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, Mike, it's, it's funny, I guess. I mean, like, on an actual, like, comedic and artful level, it's funny, too. Oh, it is very it's very entertaining. It's like this, this idea of, like, the generalized... I don't mean political conservatism, but the human experience conservatism. We want to protect the thing as we know it. Yeah, yeah. And these big, strong men would have to, like fight people in bars when they would be challenged well of course now 
everyone knows they're essentially glorified acrobats and and weightlifters. I mean, they're excellent athletes for sure. Yeah. But other than someone like a Brock Lesnar who performed in the UFC uh, in in real fights, they're not really good fighters. As could be seen, Mr. Bean, by um, one of your favorites, CM Punk, who uh, (laughs) went to the UFC and got his ass kicked by a couple of D-level fighters. Well. Twice, actually. All right. That's what happens when they start you up at the top of the card. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's play a couple rounds of this, and uh, I'm just going to go in the order that you've got. You've got a couple of different groupings of three different musical artists that all perform yeah, at yeah, different WrestleMania. Yeah, I started working on brackets and then sort of gave up on it and thought you. Yeah, because one of these brackets only has two guys, oh, yeah, so yes. <laughs> I could, okay, I I could tell. Okay, formed brackets. Yes. Right, so <laughs> let's let's start with uh, some some of probably the biggest acts, the the most impressive WrestleMania moments. You've got saliva playing out uh, i believe batista yeah that sounds right uh at the time or maybe i might be wrong but uh limp biscuit at one time played out the undertaker with uh their great song rolling and then you got motorhead who were commissioned to specifically write a song for triple h who is a huge motorhead fan so it was this full circle of like wait the band I love will write a song that I can come out to every night. Okay, this is this is simple for me. I mean, I've got pretty straightforward musical tastes. Push Limp Biscuit. <laughs> that did not go. This is already not going where I expected. <laughs> Barry Saliva. All right. Spill Motorhead. Uh, uh, interesting. interesting. All right. Very interesting. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure our community on the One Fall Show uh, Facebook page might have a different opinion on that particular round, at least. You but. don't fuck with Limp Biscuit. <laughs> as, as the insane clown posse learned when they tried to drop kick them at a. Yeah. So was Fred Durst aware? It didn't. He didn't seem. No, very I'm pretty aware. sure he wasn't aware. And I, I are don't you think sure though, because I'm pretty sure that Fred Durst has been like a satire artist this whole time. His whole thing, I always thought, was like. A wrestling character of like the bro heavy rock musician i don't think he's always been like that man i saw limp biscuit play on the third <laughs> stage of i don't know if it was a warp tour or is it just Ozfest. like in retrospect do you think he's doing some sort of like uh rewriting of history for himself no no i think you're right in that <laughs> as he's gotten older he's come to understand that what he looked at as deadly serious as a young man is cartoonish through the eyes of an older man, right? And that's like, the only way that you can keep playing the songs is doing it through a different lens, right? Is making fun of your young self. I think you see a lot of that with um, real big fish, a real big fish. <laughs> Almost anybody who makes it twenty years, but I might the one I was uh, 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 who does um, who does Green Machine and uh, oh uh, Sugar Ray, Sugar Ray, oh, yeah, one of the yeah. classics where we there's that great video on the internet where some. 16 year olds calling him sugar gay and he's yeah, just he's freaking cool the fuck out and now he's just like yeah oh no, i get like yeah i was a coked up hothead and now i realize that what i thought was super serious was really some b-grade pop music i think that, that they were in that scooby-doo like live action movie sugar Ray. I don't know uh maybe <laughs> no I i'm a sugar ray fan actually and uh <laughs> and i will say that i am not opposed i did not like uh limb biscuit in the early days because fred durst i thought was such an intolerable asshole but then I realized over time, oh, I'm an intolerable asshole. And so <laughs> you found you found some common ground. I kind of like sugar. I, I mean, kind of. I kind of like Limp Bizkit. I think I would have to bury saliva and being, yeah. being an old man. 
Motorhead's my I, I like Motorhead. Is is I don't even know what saliva is. So Motorhead I just put him on the fantastic. back burner. I said Motorhead. <laughs> Motorhead. You guys, as you just guys, as a fucking like. Considering my band just opened for them last week, you guys are breaking my heart. <laughs> oh, you just played with saliva. We just played with saliva last That's Wednesday. <laughs> they've got a they got a new singer. I guess their their original singer was kind of a dick. So they've got a new guy that's just hits all the notes as they. And it was funny because it was one of those bands that I didn't realize I knew as many songs as I did. Yeah, I would guess only one or two. Like yeah. They got about five songs deep in the set list, and I went, oh, yeah, this song. Oh, shit, yeah, this song is good, too. <laughs> Probably all from wrestling broadcasts. <laughs> Almost all of them. Yeah, there you go. Almost loved, all of them. The WWE loved new Metal, man. It was like their, yeah. their house music was new Metal, and probably extended, because of the huge popularity of wrestling, probably extended new Metal for four or five years beyond what yeah it would have to have to. there was even there was an <laughs> album there was an album of all those new metal acts doing the the uh the theme songs for different people like they had drowning pool to do uh the the motorhead song <laughs> drowning pool yeah classic just <laughs> friggin hilarious a band that absolutely had their careers killed by 9-11 because someone tried to play let the bodies hit the floor oh. on i don't even think as a joke yeah but then people were like we can never hear the song again. Yeah. We've seen build, people fall out of buildings. Yeah. Uh, it was, that's it was a very strange time. There's and, always, uh, whenever, whenever there, there's casualty of cultural, any, evolution. any type of tragedy, like the, the Chris Cornell tragedy from a couple of years ago, uh, the local radio station was playing a whole bunch of his stuff. Cause he's been in multiple bands and there was uh, a couple of songs. There's a song specifically by Soundgarden called pretty news. Yeah. That can never be on the air ever again. <laughs> Dude hung himself in Detroit after right. a gig. No, right, we right, didn't. Right. Pretty new. It doesn't even matter. It's not about hanging yourself. Like we can't. We can't do that ever again. All right. Well, let's try another round. This one uh, is a little bit, uh, a little bit more on the rap side. Oh hell yeah! Dude. Of this the is what I'm uh, of the about. thing. Okay, we've got Run DMC, okay. uh, Snoop Dogg. And Flo Rida, who has, I believe, been there more than once. Yeah, Flo Rida. Can you repeat them again for me? (laughs) (laughs) Run DMC. Run DMC. Snoop Dogg and Flo Rida. Snoop Dogg or Snoop Lion, whichever you prefer. Uh, He's Snoop Dogg again. And, uh, and, yeah, Flo Rida. Push Snoop. (sighs) Barry DMC. Yeah. Um, spill that other one. Florida. Florida. Yeah. <laughs> just, just on the principle. Do you know any Florida songs? No. It's a dumb. It's a dumb name for a man. <laughs> it, it is. You know, it's not until I saw him performing on a WWE event and I saw a Florida. I was like, oh, oh. his name is Florida. Yeah. His name is Florida. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious to me that you had to see it spelled until, out. Though. Until. I mean, it's not as though I was listening to tons of Flo Rida tracks oh. and it wasn't occurring to me. I just <laughs> had heard the name Flo Rida, had not really given it much thought. Hey, you might just be a man who rides a flow. You I, don't know. I mean, it's it's a great little double entendre. I guess it got him a couple of, I'm sure, very high-paying gigs at WrestleMania for yeah. what it's worth. Yeah, absolutely. Know, much, much like, I don't know, Machine Gun Kelly, who's another name. I don't know <laughs> how much it ultimately helps in the long run. But, uh, right. Isn't he just an actor now? I don't know. Maybe. Machine Gun Kelly or Flo Rida? (laughs) Machine Gun Kelly was in the bird box. Oh, that was very popular. Right. Uh, very popular Netflix. All right, well let's do one more round. One more, this, yeah, is yeah, the, this, this is the this is the uh this is the the highest of the high round. This is this, this is, is some of this is some of the best this all be that we've developed over the last say, couple of No, unfortunately it's not a lot of scoff. <laughs> <Good, laughs> unfortunately not. Okay, so you've got uh Ice T. Oh man. 
who has performed at a WrestleMania. Did he do it with the band or with Body Count? No, no, he's no, just Ice T. He came out with uh, the Godfather, if I remember correctly. Yeah, his show. I I don't even know that there was much of a musical performance involved. Yeah, I think he came out and he rapped to a backing track. Uh, with the Godfather and wore some wore some, a big old pimp coat and uh, had a good time. That sounds cool. Uh, we've got Kid Rock, oh, who has also been at WrestleMania and is in the WWE Hall of Fame. Detroit's celebrity own, yeah, celebrity <laughs> wing to deliver his mail, right? <laughs> and uh, finally, we have uh, the origins of rock and wrestling, Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper. Okay, um, then I guess what was the first choice? Uh, Ice T. Oh yeah, Ice T. Kid Rock. Cindy Lauper, oh, yeah. Push Berry Spill. Push Ice Tea, Spill Kid Rock every day for the rest of his life until he dies. Fuck you, Bobby. I hope you're listening. Woo! Um, Barry That's Cindy Lauper. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, or you, Mike Clark. I don't think you would possibly listen, but you do like wrestling and you do like ICP, and mm-hmm. we will talk about both of those things. And also, you know, Bobby, tell him to fuck off. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. All right. A rousing, a rousing edition <laughs> Round of Push, push Berry, Berry Spill. Oh, man, I can't believe you guys put Bobby on there. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby. All right. So since you are in a ska band, we do have, uh, we have a match from Extreme Rules 2016, the new Extreme Rules, one of the pay-per-views of WWE. Wow. Uh, the next one is going to be, I think... Uh, July 13th here. Yeah, we're a couple weeks away. But this is an older one, and we see The Miz, uh, who at this time was a great heel. Cesaro, who probably was a heel at the time. Kevin Owens, also a heel. And I think only the only face at this point was Sami Zayn, who came out to ska music. Wow, the ska hero. Yeah. He he is the ska hero. And genuinely good dude. He's a lot of um, political stuff has come up over the last couple of years with WWE. Shockingly, once the spotlight of... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of the real world shined on these carnies that were doing everything, you know, sort of on the DL. Uh, That's what happens when you have the wrestling president. Yes, absolutely the case. Uh, yeah. Sucks. Also, also in the, <laughs> the WWE Hall of Fame he... and soon to be in the Hall of Presidents. Yeah, yeah it right. sucks, man, because it sucks that he's there to like uh, exemplify what it's all about. It's like, man, this is the president who's into wrestling and like who's aware of wrestling culture, but like he's not a good person to be the face of it. No, probably not. But it does. If you flip it, turn it, you realize it's like more than ever. If you had suspicions that politics were wrestling in terms of just dropping promos on your enemies i mean the way he he basically dismisses everybody with some kind of catchphrase yeah. it, oh it shows that that like oh yeah that's really what people buy that's why wrestling has somehow transcended you know it's 150 year history of essentially putting on fake fighting uh is that people eat it up <laughs> people yeah. love the idea of a good guy and a bad guy yep. and and as long as enough people agree that one person is a good guy and the other person's a bad guy, then they're going to rally behind that person. And Donald Trump played that just masterfully. And what you're telling me is that in the case of this particular match, there's three bad guys and one good guy. Yeah, I think and he's so. He's fighting the power of with the the power the power of Scott. He's going to win with the power of Scott. Yes. Yeah, and this is this is essentially uh, this is essentially a fatal four way match. So everybody is supposed to fight everybody. It's to to one fall. So the bad guys will inevitably turn on each other because oh, okay. they're evil. Yeah, that's what they do. Right. So this we got Miz and Maurice. They are now becoming slowly but surely some Hollywood darlings. I believe that he's going to sort of pull the whole rock thing, and eventually we're going to see him starring in movies. 
Yeah, that would be fascinating as well. Oh, you know, it's it's a, almost a bummer that Sami Zayn is already in the ring. Although, so we don't get bam, to experience. Oh, with a great halluva kick to Kevin Owens. So, I like those pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like got, that he wears pants because most of them don't. Nope, we got Cesaro over here wearing his little tidy trunks. Oh, I like his shoulder. Uh, he is yeah. from uh, Switzerland. He is, and he is he is perhaps the best sports entertainer. I mean, all of professional wrestling. He's very large, very strong, incredibly agile, as you're seeing here. And um, never he, heard anything, like, you never got negative, like, DL reports on him. Right. You never heard, oh, Cesaro, you know, met some woman in a bar and was a shit heel. Just seems like a good dude to spend a lot of time in the indies. And I, I look at the indie wrestling. Sami Zayn spent 16 years in the indies. Uh, I look at the indies as, like, the club scene for bands. It's yeah. like, you know, you're... You go and you show your stuff, and if people like it, they come back, and if not, they don't. And uh, dude, that shit's how uh, what you call it. Downriver got shut down. The Modern Exchange, they were doing indie wrestling there. They were doing Juggalo wrestling, and the cops showed up, and uh, there's a bunch of kids underage drinking. There. Ooh, really? <laughs> That's too bad. That was a cool spot. Yeah, it was cool. I, you know, I've been there only one time, I think. Juggalo has ruined it for everybody. Yeah, it tends to be the case. That's all right. <laughs> It was so crazy when the FBI came out and said they're a gang. I mean, at that point, right. anyone who's in the establishment has to sort of take them seriously as a heel at that point, right? Like, <laughs> I'm looking at them as, you know, a clown show, which is right. well, exactly it's this, what it is. It's this weird thing where it's it like everybody kind of on the inside gets that it's kind of a clown show, but from the outside, it looks so scary that you're like, these guys are one step away from, uh, you know, ritually murdering somebody. Right, right. You know, but people think that the actual, cl- actual quote-unquote clowns out there are scary too, you know, the clowns that are out there holding knives or whatever. Right. Like, trying to lure your kids into the woods. That, that shit ain't real. Clown- clowns are just clowns, man. Yeah. Everybody's out here clowning, just trying to be vulnerable. <laughs> just a dude in some makeup. Trying with some be, big floppy shoes. And trying to be vulnerable, because that's what clowning's all about. <laughs> Sammy and Kale. These are my two absolute favorites. You know, Vincent Trotto from, uh, what was his, uh, he had one great fucking record he released. Do you remember what, you, you know Vincent Trotto. Yeah, uh, um, Crochet Cat Paws. Crochet Cat Paws. I love that record, the Bravery Boys that they released. He introduced me to professional wrestling, essentially. What? And uh, Sammy Zayn and KO were among the first two people that he showed me. Because uh, he had been following him in the indies, and they had just been sort of breaking through to the mainstream at that time, and so they're among my absolute favorites. Still. Oh, here we go! Here's a Cesaro spot for you. Oh, hefting two dudes the with Muzan a German Sammy suplex. Kind of sexy, huh? Yeah, they, Cesaro goes by the Swiss Superman, and the reason for that is he has the kind of core strength that looks unreasonably unreal. Yeah, he's he skinny, will, dude. He will pick up a guy twice his size and, like, you know, sometimes you look at, like, that suplex or something like that. Like, the other guy has to jump a little bit to make sure that he gets all the way over the other guy. Cesaro will just pick up a guy. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't care if you jump or not. This is an excellent match. Uh, this is, uh, someone just recently released this Whoa. onto YouTube and... I've yeah. forgotten how great this is. This yeah, this is, really is kind good. of like a you, you can tell with the cuts. Oh. You can tell with the cuts. It's a lot of highlights. So there's some some dull moments that we're missing out of this match. But the action in this match is just fast. You make a great point. And I fast and furious. Quite picked up on that. Full match HD highlights. Cesaro there we go. That dude from Law and Order. 
Uh, yeah. They realized Wait, that, which dude from Law and Order? I don't know. One uh, of them bald. Yeah, the one who played Casey Jones, isn't it? Oh, see, I always watched um, SVU. Oh, I thought that was the one. Shit. I, Maybe it is then. Maybe it is. I, I you know, my memory's What's not that great. that show called Happy on, uh, yeah. I think it's on FX or oh, Sci-Fi yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, oh, Mr. Bean is looking at I'm looking hand. it up right now. It's yes. very important. The Thank power you. of... The power Pull of, that up, Jamie. The, the, the partner of... <laughs> <laughs> the power of Google compels me. The, the partner of Mariska Hargitay. Look at the power uh, of that primate uh, right there. Damn. Oh. <laughs> that is a big off-the-top rope splash by Kevin Owens. Well, there's a lot of dudes here on Google, and none of them look like the guy I'm looking for. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about, I do! Right? <laughs> Google happy actor. Yes, that's what I'm going to... Well, that's not going to pull up very much. <laughs> try gay actor. That might help. <laughs> oh, well, that's Tom Cruise. Ooh, big kick by Kevin Owens in the pop-up powerbomb. That is pretty cool. Man. So I think I was going to, I think I scoped out the full match earlier, and now I'm playing a highlight match. So I bet it's really expensive. Oh, yeah, so this is super seats, short. Eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like four, five, six hundred dollars depending on the city and all that good stuff. Yeah, I, I thought we were going to be playing the whole match, but instead we have a shortened... Uh, Oh, it's like everybody off easy here in this another stormy <laughs> night. We keep getting storms on the days we record. Last week we had the hailstorm. Hailstorm. Yeah, that was nuts. And the Miz, in, in true heel fashion, kind of like sneaking in a victory after everyone has done all the work. Yes, that's he's great at. He's been doing it for many years, weaseling victories, and he's finally been flipped over to a face now where he's the good guy and he's he's getting to do the. It, How does a weasel turn into a face? It's very strange. You have to you have to find a, a, a bad guy who is even more scummy than the weasel, um, and and then have them. How start bad pick- did they have to go for him? Oh, uh, he had to pick on his dad. Yeah, so it was. They brought in one of the, Vince McMahon's son. So of course you already have the boss's son. So that's oh that's helpful. And uh, yeah, you slowly adjusted Miz. Slowly adjusted. Stopped. Cutting, taking shortcuts, and decided that he was going to have to be serious to face this opponent, and slowly worked his way over. Yep. A lot of times they'll try to go through a process like that, and it just doesn't work, and the person's career just sort of the deadlines at that point. But you know, now he's got a show on uh, like on a, the uh, USA Network, a reality show with his wife. There, terrible reality shows <laughs> that are as scripted or more so than wrestling itself. Huh. Okay, fade, motherfucker. Oh, whoa, whoa. Sorry, I didn't mean to uh, expose uh, we were look- the business of reality television. We were looking for Christopher Maloney. Christopher Maloney. That's of course. Guy. Everybody loves Christopher Maloney. Big push for Christopher Maloney. That's right. Has anyone watched Happy? I, I have. I watched. Uh, yeah, I watched the first season. It was real fun. That's a Grant Morrison book, right? It was. Okay. Yeah, and it's the the fascinating thing is the Grant Morrison book is only four issues long, and that first season is about twelve episodes. So they stretch those four issues into about twelve hours, and then the second season is absolutely off the rails. Well, like, it's Game of Thrones did and said, well, "Yeah, we're just gonna <laughs> we're gonna." Wild Which is with probably why it's uh, it was over after the second season. Probably, probably why they decided they weren't coming for back for yeah, three. That's too bad. It's only two. I might get in. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pat Oswalt does the uh, the voice of the the hallucinating hallucinatory unicorn in that show as well. That's fun. It's very cool and very very much the hallucinatory uh, unicorn looks very much like the unicorn uh, that the New Day 
It does. featured in their promo, so there is a wrestling connection there. Fair enough. For those nerds out there who don't want us to go off the rails, I don't know who you are, but I'm calling you out. Chris Maloney haters. Yeah, right. He was part of a very special unit. All right, I botched that last one and did a short version of the match instead, so we're going to have to fill a little time with another Orange Cassidy match. You fucked up. You <laughs> fucked up. You fucked up. <laughs> you dirty, dirty bastard. <laughs> so the people who have listened to the last couple episodes know that I am head over heels for Orange Cassidy's work rate. Right yeah, now. this is this is not the last time you guys are going to hear us watch Orange Cassidy. No, although I am, we are sort of like getting through... He doesn't have a ton on YouTube, so we're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to expand to one of these streaming services. I like the YouTube because I can share the links with people, right? So they can watch the matches if they want to. But uh, we, we're gonna have to move to streaming services before too long because it's such a competitive market for this video stuff. But this is uh, this uh, is inevitably a uh, purple mattress ad. Oh no! Come on, that's three women. How could they possibly be promoting mattresses? Oh man, it is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Damn it! It is amazing. Is her hair pink? No, it's just the angle I'm on. Oh yeah, sorry. That's okay. This episode brought to you by Purple Mattresses. When you need a mattress that's purple, get a purple mattress. Well done. Yeah, that's how you make an ad. Uh, beyond wrestling. So this is Orange Cassidy has been defending this uh, independent title in uh, uh, just outside of Boston, I think, is where Beyond Wrestling is. And uh, as you can see, he's a laid-back bro. He's kind of cute. He hails from. It doesn't matter. <laughs> on the uh, on the outside of the ring, he is uh, he was with a swamp monster. Yeah, it's a guy in a, a jilly suit, basically, and his opponent, the legendary, the king of small style, king the legendary I've never heard that. Swoggle. <laughs> oh, that's great. So in uh, WWE, he was Hornswoggle, and he had to dress up like a leprechaun. Yes. In the uh, mid-2000s, they decided to try and bring midget wrestling back, Nice. Uh, and it lasted, I think, all of four weeks. And then they kind of liquidated all the, the, the six or eight midget Jesus. wrestlers they had, except him. They kept him around for a couple of years. It's pretty weird that they liquidated them all. What would it? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm finding his choice of the word liquidated to also be a bit <laughs> off-putting, but we're just going to let it pass. Look, it wasn't some Soylent Green bullshit. <laughs> they fed it all the hornswoggle and they kept him alive. He became the strongest of all small people. I like his shirt. He's got like a Nintendo Entertainment uh, System cartridge shirt for like swoggle. Little, I like this little thing he's doing. Yeah. He's doing something with his hands. Yeah, these indie rooms is where, you know, they're really playing to the audience and it's a lot of fun. So we saw... Ferocious spin kick from, <laughs> from Orange, Orange Cassidy. Cassidy. Orange Cassidy is not particularly interested in exerting himself. Yes, and Why that's is he what wrestling? makes him fun. I don't get it. Because he's the champion. He's been the champion. He's gotta. Now. The first, uh, the first time I had seen him, uh, which I believe was at Double or Nothing, one of the uh, commentators referred to him as the Human Sloth. Ah, yeah, that's a pretty accurate. Oh, no. 
Oh, oh, oh. Got him in a headlock. Gives the old limp thumbs up. <laughs> He's celebrating that headlock. In. <laughs> and that's one of the things that's amazing about... Irish whip. About these... Uh, off the ropes. <laughs> these smaller independent shows is that the room is so like has so few people in it that you can hear the wrestlers. They can like banter back and forth with the crowd a little bit, yeah. which is fun. And I just find it to be an absolute blast to watch how different people react to Orange Cassidy. I mean, essentially, they're doing the moves that they would do at full speed, and he just does them at half speed, yep. quarter speed, and forces his opponent to work with it. <laughs> And the fact that he would do this before he became popular is what is interesting to me, right? <laughs> like, he had to get himself to get a room full of people to cheer for this dumb shit. Right. And then once they start cheering for the dumb shit, then you get more, like, like Insane Clown Posse. You know, the first time they showed up, everyone, I'm sure, was like, what the fuck is this stupid shit? Well, who are these wicked clowns? There's a great spot uh, we just witnessed where uh, Swoggle tried to do a leapfrog over Orange Cassidy, and Orange Cassidy had to get down on the mat so he could kind of hop over him. <laughs> shoulder, full speed shoulder block from Horn Swoggle. Orange Cassidy doesn't move. No, and you think that he's. Oh! Oh, oh, oh. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope, he's fine. So in professional wrestling... Oh, I punched him in the balls! Orange Cassidy is doing is would be called a no-sell. <laughs> 20 years ago, no-selling your opponent would be like the absolute worst thing you can do. And that's like someone throws a punch at you and you just pretend you didn't get hit and you do your own move. And uh, it's sort of when they were actually pretending it was a real fight... It was really important that you sold for your opponent, that when you got hit, you made it look like you really got hit. Well, now everyone knows, and so you have someone like an Orange Cassidy who's now turning the whole industry on its ear by just making a whole act out of no-selling things, and it's, I think it's very entertaining myself. Yeah, he's subverting <laughs> the whole genre. Yes, yes. <laughs> this is a fascinating match to watch having seen a few Orange Cassidy matches because a lot of the spots are built around the fact that he is wrestling a man who is significantly smaller than him. And Swangle does a really great job of clearly having been in a whole oh. lot of matches and dealing with this thing that is Orange Cassidy, right? Right. Like you figure a lot of people who face Orange Cassidy, he's able, they're on his level, they've worked, they're getting paid the same. They've worked the same amount of big shows. And so he's like, okay, here's the deal. Here's what we're going to do. Now you bring in someone like Swoggle, who's been in front of stadiums. Yes. And you're like, okay, so this is what you're going to do. And he does a great job of working within that. Okay, uh-oh. Uh-oh, uh -oh. orange Cassidy. juice. This is where Orange Cassidy goes heel and takes a sip of orange juice. Again, subverting expectations. Normally you'd have some kind of green acid slime that people would spit in their opponent's right. faces, but no. Oh. <laughs> he spit it over his head. He tried to spit it, it was, into the face of Swoggle. Yeah. But <laughs> was unable to. Swoggle gonna put those glasses on? Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Ooh. Oh, he got kicked for putting on some sunglasses. Some fun uh, crowd interaction there. 
Now he's going for a choke. It's always fascinating when Orange Cassidy goes from uh, from his normal speed to full speed. Yes. I think this was probably earlier on in his, his present reign. Yeah. Because it does seem a little more uneven than some of the matches we've seen where he just sells it entirely as this sloth character. Right. And the crowd's not, like, super into it yet, right? Like, you're yeah. getting chants filling up the dead zones and stuff. Right. Now, if you see an Orange Cassidy match, the crowd is fills all the time. They do wrestling chants for everything he does. <laughs> and it's an absolute blast. And then, of course, there are people... Oh, they're snuggling. The, the Swamp Monster's stopping the count. Oh, Greg. Oh. Is it... Is that Chuck Taylor? It is Chuck Taylor. Chuck Taylor's the Swamp Monster? Yes. Yes, in this particular moment it is. And he's putting the Swamp Monster... Oh, 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 my lord. Chuck Taylor. Oh, my God. Swoggle with a pile driver. Oh, my God. The crowd starts chanting EC dub. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea there was a Chuck Taylor-Orange Cassidy connection. Ah, yes. I didn't... uh, I thought Brandon mentioned... uh, Maybe it was off-air. Maybe. uh, That... The Swamp Monster used to be Chuck Taylor's side uh, piece. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The crowd is very happy with uh, the reveal. They love Chucky T. Yeah, he's another long-standing indie guy. Inevitably, all of these guys try to get up to the next level and get the big paycheck from WWE, and then the minute they get signed, people start calling them a sellout. Oh yeah, it's like the uh, the punk scene. Very, very yeah, similar. For sure. No, no one's ever called Jay Navarro a sellout. At least not in my presence. No. They got that fucking Disney money and shit. Yeah, probably in like 1992, people were saying that. The film was Brink. They can go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no appearance by anyone from SVU. You know who no, else was on zero. SVU? Ice T. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, he has that. Uh, uh, John Mulaney has that amazing bit about Ice T on uh, SVU, where everybody will say something, and then Ice T is always like, "So what you're saying is," and then he'll just repeat what they said. Mm-hmm. Big push, Ice T. Occasionally, punch somebody in the face. Uh, yeah, should have been a professional wrestler, that Ice T. <laughs> All right, well, thanks a lot, Josh, for coming around. This is our. <laughs> Our Orange Cassidy infused. Ep- I'm realizing now that maybe all these Orange Cassidy matches we put in the episodes is bringing the level down. What are you what? talking about? Orange Cassidy? Oh, yeah. he's like a sloth. The energy yes, level yes. is is. Uh, I get I get pulled into the vibe of Orange Cassidy. Yeah, we're just staring at him like, oh, he's gonna drink the juice. <laughs> exactly. Is he gonna swallow it? No, spin it. <laughs> So where can people find you? Um, I don't know. I don't think there's anything for me, but you can find uh, Broadcast from Cowhouse on all of the uh, various places that you find podcasts. It's hosted on SoundCloud. Um, it's also on iTunes. It's on Spotify. Uh, the artist is going to be Cowhouse Recording. That's two separate words. The German spelling of house. H-A-U-S. Uh, cow- broadcast from Cowhouse. That's uh, me and Tom from CBJ. You can find us at uh facebook.com slash cbjerks and bandcamp.com slash cbjska awesome and we'll definitely put up links for all that stuff and for feel free at any time you have anything to promote to come over to our one fall show facebook group and share it with our people and or you can hit me up you know dm me and i'll i'll make sure to share anything that you want shared 
And uh, thank you so much for coming around, and I'm looking forward to hearing the show. Is it going to be a bunch of, I'm, I'm assuming at least early, a lot of punk stuff, right? Because that's who you've been meeting throughout your journeys. Yeah, mostly punk stuff, a little bit of ska so far. Um, our first episode was a band called Splitters from Detroit. Uh, very cool guys, punk music. Second episode is Carmel Liberty. Um, oh, Carmel. I believe she's from somewhere around here. I don't know what city she lives in, but she's doing like singer-songwriter folk pop stuff. Uh, third episode will be Bathroom of the Future. That'll be in two weeks. That'll be July, Monday the f- uh, 15th, I think. Yeah. Tim was our second guest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, a friend of the show, Bathroom of the Future. Yeah, they were real cool. Uh, Tom just recorded their album. Their album's Yeah, the new album is fantastic. Yeah, I didn't realize good. Tom had done that. That's awesome. Small yeah. world. Very cool. First album he did at the new space that we are doing the podcast in, so... Excellent. Beautiful. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for coming by, and congrats on getting the podcast going. I know it's something you've been working on for a while, and yeah. I'm excited to see it grow, and I'm, I'll, I will be listening. Hell yeah, dude. I'll, we'll, I'll come back at some point. This is cool. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, man. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. Find us over at the One Fall Show Facebook group. Mr. Bean, you can find you on uh, Nerd Radio. That's right, on WRF.com or wherever you want to download your podcast. And as always, I encourage you guys, uh, with every podcast you listen to, rate, review, let the let the people who are making the podcast know what you like and what you didn't like, so they can uh, either tailor it to your uh, your particular views or let you know that uh, they're very happy with the way the podcast is working. And maybe it's not for you. <laughs> yeah, if you really enjoy something, even if you're not going to become a full time listener, just drop a line and say, "Hey, I listen. You I, you're doing something. You're spending some time doing work, and I listen to it, and I Absolutely. appreciate it." And. Uh, people can find me at Instagram at Shawnee, S-H-O-N-N-Y dot constant. And, um, yeah, have fun. Be safe. Don't fall in the hole. Cool, man. His brother was an all right dude. I never actually got to meet Bobby himself. I just dropped his promotional material in between his doors. We just happened to have recorded uh, with the gentleman, Mikey Clark. Mikey who, Clark. Who is the producer of uh, Kid Rock's Road Show and also of ICP's All of Their Albums. All their great stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, all right. All their early Mikey CBJ Clark stuff. That. So our, our album, Clock Out, was produced by Mikey Clark. You can find it on the iTunes and the Bandcamp and all that shit. How was it like, working with him? Um, it was awesome. He was actually on Vicodin for most of the time because he had just gotten his uh, wisdom teeth pulled out. Ah, okay. But uh, he was really professional, even beyond being totally doped up. Um, he had these like two closets that had amplifiers inside of them. They were really sick, and they like were completely soundproof, so you close the closet, and all you can hear is what's in the room. Ooh, nice. Excellent. Yeah, but it was really cool, and he made a really good album for us, and we're really happy with how it turned out. So good job, Mike. Um, but then he bailed on the butts, you know, everybody's favorite local band, so that he could go on the road with Bobby. So Aww. fuck Bobby. Oh man. <laughs> so we missed a Mikey Clark butts record. Yeah, and it would have been it would have been so good. Instead, we got good shit um, made by Tom Skill of Cowhouse Recording. <laughs> it's okay shit. Yeah, I mean, you know, the butts do great stuff, and Tom Skill does. 
Well, it was one of his first few albums. He's learned a lot since then. I think he he does a really fucking good job now. That one was like a like a B plus. I still listen to the album, but only because it's the butts. Yeah, a lot of trial and error in the early times. I mean, it doesn't matter how much work you put into it. There's always like we were talking about these damn mixers before we kayfabe before we turn on the mics <laughs> like there are knobs that i will never learn i there are buttons on this thing i will never learn and this is right. a very small mixer that's really only doing very few things so. it actually fits in his pocket it's so small I don't, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this thing that's just because shawnee has really big pockets it's my, my giant uh new metal era your junko jeans <laughs> it's weird because he's actually just wearing clothes but it's just pants with huge pockets <laughs> really weird wait are you just in one of the pockets that's weird I love an audio medium. 